and the government is in everything, and that's wrong, the answer is make sure you live around people with whom you do not have to have a written set of laws, you know, or at least a very minimal. And that's why Tacitus, the Roman historian, said, you can, the bigger the state, meaning the government, the more corrupt are the people, and the more corrupt it is, and the more laws you would need. Hi, and welcome to End of Love Remains. I am your host, Mike Lovett, and I'm here in studio with two guests. The first one is my son, Matthew Lovett. Welcome to the show, Matthew. Hi, I'm Matthew. Please don't embarrass yourself or the family. I appreciate it. I might. <laughs> um, I also have in studio Dr. Joe Wolverton. He's been in studio before and we've all, a couple times, and I'm excited to have him on the show today. We have some very exciting topics to talk about, but he um, is the author, the creator of a new curriculum, a new uh, set of courses that people can find online. And uh, will you please describe what you've created and, and where people can find it? I'm, I'm very excited about this project you're working on. Yeah, sure. Um, so it's basically four years of history curriculum uh, presented in on-demand videos. Uh, so you would purchase either the bundle, the whole four years, or you can purchase the class that you want. Uh, those will all be available in August for purchase. Um, right now, the only class that's completely ready is the Founders Recipe class, where I present a 30-minute to an hour video on each of the 37 authors most often quoted by the Founding Fathers. And I take, in each one of the videos, I do one for each, for each person, and we explore a selection from their writings, what influence these men had on the founding fathers, how we can detect that influence. And then what I think is the most important part of it is how we can use the things written by these influential men in a way to improve our own time and our own political economic situation. And that those are available at mrgigroup.com. It's A-M-A-R-G-I group.com. And you can, yeah, you can purchase the Founders Recipe class now, you can purchase the bundle now. And yeah, there I, I'm really excited about it because this way you can you don't have to have, you know, me in class and we're not bounded by geography or even or even by time in the form right. of a Zoom class. You can use these videos on demand. Oh, and the, and they are they're wonderful. I've um, I've had my my children and myself actually take some classes from you and and you know the they're wonderful. Like you cannot go wrong with the the type of material. It's going to be material that you have not heard anywhere else. Um, and I do think it's very pertinent to today's day. So, um, and for those of you, we're, we'll put uh, that website in the show notes, but also I'll put a link to the previous uh, interview we did before that, which talked about the book, the accompanying book for that class, which is the founder's recipe, um, which was a, a really fantastic discussion and a great primer, I think, for, for people interested in, in that material. Yeah, I think probably the most, uh, you know, appealing uh, aspect of the class, particularly the founder's recipe, is that these are things that haven't been discussed yeah. for 100 years at least. But they're things that if you go and read the writings of the founding fathers, you'll see the, the names of these men in their books repeated and referenced 
over and over. And then all of a sudden, they're just taken out mm. of our collective memory. And the purpose is, of course, those who took it out of the curriculum, the idea was we can't let people read the things that these founding fathers read, because if they read what the founding fathers read, they might do what the founding fathers did. And right. that is take back the liberty that had been taken from them. And of course, the powers that be do not want us uh, going around filling the heads of children with these ideas. Well, and I think that's that's, that's a, exactly right. And I think there's a um, one of the things that um, has become the deep, dark mindset of Americans specifically is that we are still a, a free and liberty minded nation um, and that we don't have the same sort of, um, you know, tyranny slash um, uh, autocracy. We don't we have the same kind of, of controlling government that the founding fathers found themselves under. That somehow we we don't live in a society um, or we let me put it this way, that we still live in a society that is free. Um, I think that's that's something that um, as we read what maybe what the founders meant and what um, you know, what, what, when, when we discover the philosophy behind liberty, um, I, th I think that we'll realize how far from liberty we've become. Yeah. That's the illuminating part of it all is that you, when you read these, the works from these 37 men, you suddenly are able to see for yourself the sources from which the founding fathers took many of their ideas, right? These, many of these things were taught to them from the cradle. These are the things that were the raw intellectual material in their head when it was time to, to craft a constitution, to craft a declaration. These are the raw materials that were in their head and those are the raw materials they used to accomplish these things. And when you read them, you can see, oh, there's where Thomas Jefferson got the phrase, pursuit of happiness right, or, right. or there's why the founding fathers uh, were absolutely against any form of gun control or anyway, there's all of these ideas can be found in the writings of these 37 men. And it, it's very much sometimes shocking to people to read. And I even say that in, in some of the videos, I'll say, you know, what we're about to discuss might not sit well with you because it's been, it's been completely overlooked and ignored for so long, these concepts. And, but yeah, I mean, what you were saying about being free and free from tyranny or free at all. I mean, if you were to take, I, I would look at, if we were to somehow able to restore the tyranny right. of George III on the United States, we would think that we made a great leap toward the restoration of liberty yeah because our tax rate would would go down from you know 30 percent to three percent we would the the ideas of of any sort of top-down autocratic control that they had in 1776 where it was so much less than we have now that right. in george iii's wildest dreams he would never have even considered imposing the degree of tyranny that our own uh, purportedly elected leaders have done. Yeah. 
Uh, Matthew, you've you've taken his class. Yeah. Tell me, like, what what were some of your takeaways, or or what can you say about what you learned from, uh, from taking the founders class? I mean, uh, Brother Wolverton has some really awesome stories he can tell you, and uh, I feel like he really teaches how to be free well in a really good way. I don't know how to describe I like that. It. How to be free well. How to be how free How to do well. it right. Yep. <laughs> and um, one of my favorite stories was when he told a story about Ammon. The, can you tell that story for us? Well, it, I don't know that everybody would understand the story, yeah. but the idea, and I'll just gloss over it this okay. way, and, and maybe on another podcast we yeah. can talk about the, the in-depth part of that, but the idea is there's so much from history that has been overlooked and ignored for so long that we don't recognize when those things are repeated. Right. And, and therein lies one of the great deficiencies of our day is we've been purposefully kept ignorant of so much for so long that when things from the past recur and in the same way, we don't recognize it and we see these things as novel or we see these things as as um, much more terrifying than they are. Not that they're not terrifying per se, but there are solutions, Yeah, right? If we knew history, it's uh, one of the great historians of the past, Polybius, in his history book, he wrote his history of Rome. He wrote, if you are smart enough to understand the relationship between cause and effect, you can read my book, he said, and predict the future of any country. And that's true because you can see how tyrants behaved in one era and they're behaving exactly that same way now. And you can see how either the people rejected that and right. maintained or regained their freedom, or you can see how they did not and how they walked the road right into slavery. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think there's a big uptick in, in this reality. Uh, well, in this realization, um, especially if you, the, over the last year or so, uh, for those of you listening and maybe in the future, um, we're, we're recording this in, in 2021. Um, it's, it's, uh, almost June of 2021. And he, and we've, so, so we, we're just, um, I don't know if at the end of, I don't even know where we are in the midst of this pandemic dilemma where we've had lockdowns, we've had all these mandates put on us um, unconstitutionally, clearly unconstitutionally, clearly not done by our legislature, all done by emergency orders, all done outside the realm of any kind of um, democratic law. And yet we all just, or many <laughs> just went along with it. And that's, see, and that's the issue, Mike. The issue isn't are uh, tyrants behaving tyrannically. That's what tyrants do. Right. You know, tyrants going to tyrant. That's what they do. Yeah, that's right. That's not the issue. The issue is what do we do about it? And as Americans, we put pictures of men on our wall and we revere men who forcefully rejected all forms of tyranny and pushed back against it until the very uh, requirement of their lives, their fortune, and their sacred honor. 
But for us, shaking our fist on Facebook makes us into these sort of pansy patriots. Right. And it creates this artificial sense of actually having resisted when in reality we've done nothing but complain. And if, you know, if, if our ancestors had done nothing but complain, we'd still have the queen on our money. Right. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's, to me, it's always so hypocritical and so effeminate that we praise these men for their courage and what they did, but refuse to do likewise. Okay, so I want I want to talk about this for a second, because, and and I think we rightfully praise these these men mm-hmm. who founded our country. Right. They were the the smartest. They were the inspired. Um, I believe that they they created you know a more perfect uh, union, if you will. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. We created a a, a a society that was built on the ideas of freedom and and they did everything they could to try to protect that freedom. And yet here we are in 2021. And, and as you said, we would, we would have been better off under King George. Mm-hmm. So does that work? Does liberty work? Does um, a constitution to protect liberty work. Uh, that that's the dilemma that I faced. Right. And like like how do we? These people, as you said, died. They sacrificed their sacred honor, their fortunes, everything they had for this idea. Was it for naught? Um, do constitutions work to protect liberty? No. Right, but they knew that. Right, Jefferson said we're going to have to redo this every, you know, every generation, every yeah. twenty years. Madison said a constitution is nothing more than a parchment barrier, right? A wall made out of paper is no wall at all, Mm. right? So the constitution does not protect liberty unless you have a citizenry who are not only educated about the principles and the sources of freedom, who are vigilant to hold their elected leaders uh, accountable, and if they step outside the boundaries of the power the people gave them to remove them from those offices. And then you have to have a people who are virtuous and who recognize the virtue of freedom, who aren't willing to put up with tyranny because they benefit from the tyranny. In other words, big. They, they recognize that liberty is dangerous. It's very dangerous, liberty, but, and tyranny is often safe because on the 15th, first and the 15th, you're gonna get that check. Right. You're gonna be able to have some food with your, you know, take your card down and get some food. You're gonna have uh, subsidized housing. You're gonna have lots of things that make life easy on you, but you're also not Free. You have to stay within certain parameters. It, it causes corruption on both sides because you want more and the government wants to give you more because they know by giving you more, you keep them in right. power. So there's there's and no limiting factor. Right. There. There's no, because the middle class is robbed. And so what ends up happening is this perpetuates until the whole thing turns upside down. But we've got to have a people who are not only educated, vigilant and virtuous and at the end of the day courageous yeah and i think we're you know oh for four right now well and i and so so i want to i want to 
maybe not push back, but maybe take it a step further even, you know, because we, we talked about, you know, holding elected officials accountable. But we know, like like you said, tyrants tyrant. I mean, that's what they do. Um, and so if that's a universal truth, if, if, if those by sad experience who have, you know, received a little authority, overstepped that authority, and it happens time and time and time and time and time again, at what point do we try a new experiment that doesn't include elected officials? Well, and you know, that's the issue, isn't it? Um, think about it this way. There's a, a saying, you know, from history that the virtuous need no law. Mm -hmm. Now, Madison rephrased this and said, if all men were angels, right, we would need no government. And then he said, but men are not going to be angels, so we need government. Well, I don't, I don't know necessarily what was in Madison's head, but I do know that whereas we might not all be angels, we can live around people who agree on basic principles of what's right and wrong and of good government and of self-government and of accountability and responsibility. And if you live around those people, the number of laws written down that you would need would be irrelevant. Right. Would be statistically, you know, immaterial because you would all agree on such things. It's when you put together large groups of people. And historically, if you read the men that our founders quoted, they all understood this, right? From Aristotle to Montesquieu, they all understood that if you enlarge the size of your uh, political system too, too many people, then you're throwing in too many disparate ideas of what is right and wrong, of what is a, uh, acceptable levels of government, of what, what does justice mean? Right. And so you end up having to write down laws because you have to end up accounting for behavior among so many distinct peoples and so many disparate philosophies that it becomes this overwhelming, uh, top-down, crushing sense of, you know, the government is in everything. Right, and the government is in everything, and that's wrong, but the answer is, and there's several people in the Founder's Recipe book that explain it, the answer is, Make sure you live around people with whom you do not have to have a written set of laws, yeah. you know, or at least a very minimal. And that's why Tacitus, the Roman historian said, you can, the bigger the state, meaning the government, the more corrupt are the people and the more corrupt it is and the more laws you would need. Right. And here we are today with, and, and we don't even have laws that we, you, you understand the number of laws that seek to compel behavior in the United States is infinitesimal when compared to the number of regulations yep. that are given the force of law by people who are unelected and unaccountable. Right. But yet if you cross against any of those regulations, you get punished as if you had broken some law. Yeah. And, and, and those end up being almost universal, you know, it, it, Many people, myself included, will complain about an HOA, you know, or, 
uh, um, a city government or something like that. But the bottom line is on, in those instances, I can choose to leave those things. It becomes much more difficult if you're talking about choosing to leave the United States or in some cases when, when some of these laws even have international implication, mm -hmm. you know, when you talk about specifically re regulations and how they affect, you know, different countries and, and, and how bureaucrats can interpret those regulations. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's not just infinitely, in, infinitesimally small compared to the amount of laws, but it's infinite in how large it can be interpreted you know, what did Stone say? Show me the man. I'll show you the, you know, I'll show you the law he broke. Mm -hmm. You know, that's right. And yeah. that's, and, and I think a lot of people um, feel, uh, you know, that way right now that, wait a sec. I, yesterday, I wasn't breaking a law, you know, by walking into a store without a mask, but today I am. You know, that, like, that's, um, It's a different level of, um, I guess. I guess. I guess. What I'm trying to say is, bureaucracy or, or tyranny happens on all levels of government. Right. But, but, a, but it's but the smaller that you can make it, you know, the more you can escape it. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, the ancients believed that the only true freedom was anarchy. Right now, today, that word means something different. Right. But the Greek word anarchos means without a ruler. And that should be the ideal, because if you think about all these people that that claim to have the interest of the minority, mm -hmm. right, that's their policies are driven by by the interest of the minority. Well, the smallest minority is the individual. Right. So it, it is possible for an individual to be tyrannical to himself. It is possible for the individual to do many things which aren't in his best interest. Absolutely. To put himself in a box, causing him to do things which he knows aren't right or aren't good for him. We're, we're all tyrannical to ourselves often, right? But the issue is when it comes to anarchy, you can have, you, you can live around other anarchists in the sense that you can live with people who you don't have to agree on everything, right? We don't have to agree Coke or Pepsi. We don't have to agree, you know, uh, I don't know, M&Ms or, or <laughs> Reese's Skittles or, or something. Yeah. We don't have to agree on those things. What we would have to agree on are basic principles of justice, morality, good government. Those things, if we agree in those, we can live together peacefully. And... The question I always have to these people who who insist that we must all stay together in this union is why do you love violence so much? Right. Why are you so addicted to the violence when all I'm saying is if we all just went and formed smaller communities, communities that we with people with whom we agreed on these principles, you I don't need to agree with you. You form your community and you guys can be as communist as you want to. You can make it where no one can own a weapon. You can make it where you can only talk for certain hours a day and on certain topics. I don't care. Right. You leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. I won't hurt you or your property. You don't hurt me or my property. And that's peaceful. Right. Right. 
And I don't understand so, why people are so addicted to forcing all these disparate philosophies to live together in a way that unavoidably leads to riots, to violence, to questions of was the election rigged? Right. No, like, no one. That's, like, what does that matter? Well, first of all, what does it matter? Second of all, uh, yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> who, what kind of educated person who pays attention to anything is going to say that the election, for example, for president wasn't rigged? Most certainly it was. But so what? Yeah. If it's rigged and, and Joe Biden is the president, am I supposed to accept that? If is it only acceptable if my guy wins and if you but all of these things shouldn't matter. So so when most people hear because you definitely, you know, used a charged word there, anarchy, and I think it's appropriate word and I love how you defined it. But I want to like when most people hear anarchist, they're going to think bombers, you know, they're going to think um, the the World War One people that that mm -hmm. killed the archduke mm -hmm. they're gonna think about because they're, they're called anarchists they're gonna they're gonna think about uh south africa and how you know that has turned into anarchy as people perceive it um whether that's true or not i mean that's that's the perception that that you know farmers are dying and black people are dying and it's just uh, is utter violence and of course people are gonna think about mad max Mm -hmm. So I think those are the when when you hear the word anarchist, I think that those are the pictures that go through the average American's mind, and and um, it would have gone through my mind maybe two years ago, you know. Um, but I think there's a different way to look at it than. Um, well, I think of it as the ultimate form of liberty. the The ultimate expression of liberty is me being able to govern myself. Right. Now, that yes, that requires virtue and that requires education and it requires a commitment to treating others fairly. And no, not everyone can do that, but maybe we, can, maybe we can find enough people who agree with our principles to live in these small communities and just, you know, that doesn't mean you, you isolate yourself. Right. You can still do business with people who don't agree with your principles. Of course. We do. Right. You just don't live and conduct your your government with those people. Right. And I people that get scared of anarchy. I'm like, why are you who are you that you're so scared of of who you are that you don't trust yourself to be to be reliable and to be accountable even to yourself? Like what? What is it that you know about yourself that you know you must be forced to do something which you consider good? Like when people say, well, without taxes, we'd have no roads. Right. Why don't build a bloody road if you want one? Right. Like, like businesses don't want people to come to their shop. Right. <laughs> like we don't, you know, and people that say, well, without taxes, we'd have no police force. Why can't you police yourself? Mm -hmm. Protect your own home. Maybe get with people in your neighborhood and decide we're going to protect our homes this way because people say, well, yeah, you you're all for that until someone breaks in your house and and murders you or someone breaks in your house. The first thing you're doing is calling the police. No, it isn't. Right. The police get called after the damage is done. Yeah. 
So why can't we apply this to everything and just live with like-minded people without being forced to do something ostensibly good? See, and I think, I think people who have maybe thought about it in the second degree, like have gone past the Mad Max version of anarchy, mm -hmm. um, the next, I think, thing that the people think about is is they almost think too big. Like I'll, I'll speak for myself because I think this is how my mind works. Like I almost think, well, how is every exception going to work? And then you hear people like Bob Murphy, um, who has you know interesting ideas on using insurance companies, which I think are mm -hmm. you know they're valid and and like mm -hmm. those things should be explored. But I also think it it takes away from the simplicity of like how does a community work? How does how do does a set of families with, you know, relatively the same ideals work hand in hand with one another? And um, which is what you're talking about. Right. And that's the idea. Maybe instead of saying, you know, anarchy, like I say, historically is a good thing. If you read, for example, Alexander Pope's essay on man, he mentions that what we should aim for anarchy should be our goal because we want every man to be so virtuous that we don't have to control or compel good behavior. In other words, the way I've explained it to people is to say, you know, Mike, I don't have to tell you, do not go kill someone tonight. Right. <laughs> I don't have to tell you, don't go steal from Walmart tonight. Damn. Right? Why? Because you think those things are wrong per se of themselves. Right. Right? And so, the idea would be, are there people who don't? If, I, if the giant voice in the sky tonight said, we've repealed all man-made laws against murder. Would some people go out and murder? Yes. yes. Do I want to live in a political society with those people? No. Am I forced to because of the current government of the United States? Yes. Therein lies the key, Mike. We're being, from the top down, forced into a position of violence. And all we have to choose is to walk away from it. And if they decide to try and force us, after we've manifest our intent to leave behind this toxic club that we were once members of, if they come then and try to enforce it, then we'll cross the bridge of how do we get them to understand that we're not coming back. Right. That, but that bridge doesn't need to be crossed until someone seeks to force us force back. Force the hand, yeah. Force our hand, right? But as it is right now, it would be lovely if we could just have enough. I mean, anarchy's the goal. The intermediate step would be, how about we quit being so fascinated with those plutocrats on the Potomac? Amen. And start focusing on our states as an intermediate. Yes. Are there state laws that are tyrannical? Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. But it's easier for us as individuals to have influence on our state government than it is to have influence on this, on the federal government. Clearly. Yeah. And so can we get enough like-minded people to vote with their feet, come to a state and, obtain enough political influence to turn that state into a beacon of liberty, both 
you know, political and economic liberty. Because if we could do, who would refuse to enact every tyrannical order, act, regulation of the federal government? At the sovereign borders of Arizona, just so to speak, there is no, no tyrannical federal act will be enforced. Can you imagine? And if we forcefully said that, and we had a state legislature and a governor who agreed to that, mm -hmm. which, by the way, they swore to do upon taking office. Right. Look at Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution. If we could have a governor and a state legislature committed to that, can you imagine how many people would want to come to this state? And then there would be people, wait a minute, we can't all go there. Let's make New Mexico, Texas, let's make our state a beacon of liberty, right? We could do that as an intermediary step if we could just somehow break our fascination with the federal government. See, and I think I think that is such a great point um, on a couple of things I, I wanted to mention. Number one, you know, we talk about, you know, uh, um, how, you know, or, or people think about how lawlessness or, or what they imagine anarchy to be. Um, and I, and I would I would submit well let's look at the alternative which we have a long history of death and destruction and and theft and all sorts of terrible atrocities carried out by men in power and and somehow we still feel like we need to be ruled by people that other people elect for us mm -hmm. or because of the their birth and usually a little bit of combination of both well even Richard Henry Lee you know the guy who put forth the proposal to declare independence in the Second Continental Congress, he, in one of his letters he wrote, he said, people always talk about how violent and bloody uh, anarchy would be. Well, that's supposition. You're supposing that. But we know for a fact how violent and bloody government is. Right. Right. When you're talking about anarchy, you're imagining some free-for-all, everybody cuts each other's throat and steals from each other. That's an imagination. When it comes to government, we can show you the miles and miles and miles and acres and acres of tombstones all around this world that witness the brutality, violence, and bloodthirstiness of so-called civilized government. Yeah, there's a I, and and then to your second point where you talked about the intermediate intermediate step. I think that is an important idea, and and number one because it's been done before. I mean, the, it, first of all, it was done in 1776, um, but it was also done where um, I, I I don't know if you've seen um, I don't know how accurate it is um, historically, but the free the movie The Free State of Jones. Mm -hmm. um, you know, which, which is based on a story of a county um, during the Civil War that that basically seceded from the South and said, mm -hmm. we're our own county and we're not going to live by neither the, the law of Washington with Lincoln nor the law of, of Jefferson. I mean, we're going to be, you know, our own county. We're going to do our own thing throughout the war. Mm -hmm. and, and they did. And they stayed out of the war. And um, and I think there I think there are other examples I mean, even on an international basis, we can talk about Switzerland. You know, how did Switzerland survive two world wars, horrendously destructive world wars? 
Well, it's because they st stayed out of the deal. Well, just the, the notion that we, it's too risky to try the experiment of secession or any sort of, uh, you don't even have to say secession. If we, it's too risky for a state to say inside the sovereign borders of this state, we will only enforce constitutional acts of the federal government. People say, that's so risky. You're going to miss out on so much. Right. But again, look at, that's a, a supposition. Yeah. Why are you, who is it that would argue that this, no one does. On both sides of the political spectrum, everyone agrees that the government isn't good. On, on one side, they want more and there's never enough government. On the other side, they want less and the current government is not small enough. Yeah. And so in that we agree. So why can't we just, it's, it's baffling to me, Mike. I really do shake my head and fail to understand how people do not grasp the economic and political benefit of breaking down into smaller societies. Everything has its natural and healthy size, mm -hmm. right? The example of a shoe. Okay, I wear a size 12 shoe. Wow. What, hey, what do you mean, wow? wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wear a size 11. Okay, so, well, I mean, yeah, all I right. mean that's so, a pretty big shoe. It, okay, is, that, is that a compliment? <laughs> I don't know how to take that. That's a pretty big shoe. Okay, buddy, thanks, yeah. So my, my point is if I wear a size 12 shoe, that helps me walk. It makes walking easier. It makes running easier, whatever. It, it's good for your feet. If I wore a size 15 shoe, a size 17, I would trip. Right. So are shoes good? Yes, if those shoes are the right size. If that shoe is too big, it's worse than being barefoot. Because now not only are you gonna be hurting your feet, but you're running the risk of tripping and breaking your neck or breaking an arm or smashing, you know what I'm saying? So government, is government good? Yes, if it's exactly fitted, but when you've got government that's too big, all it does is cause you to trip and fall. But we have 300 million people in this country addicted and convinced, deluded, that shoes are good, period. <laughs> and that's ridiculous. And Algernon Sidney had a famous quote where he says, are you gonna wear a pair of shoes and wear them round and wear, wear them all the time just because the shoemaker tells you that they're well-made? Right. Well, no one answers that yes. But when it comes to government, well, this is the United States, we don't, we don't mess with that. Yeah. Well, that's fine if the United States were staying within the four corners of that constitution, but we haven't for so long. We're, we're pretending, it's, it's like Augustus when he became emperor of Rome and he started making autocratically all the laws for Rome and the senators are just like, well, we're not going to go to work. Why are we gonna to go to the Senate? We're not doing anything. Well, Augustus started fining them every day they didn't show up to the Senate. 
And they're like, we're not doing anything. Why do you want us to be here? Because if you're not here, we can't maintain the facade of a yep. republic. Yep. And so here we are. Mm. That's what's happening to us. We have merely the facade of a, of a republic. And we continue perpetuating this performance. When in reality, again, let's, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens if we say, yeah, you guys take that, we'll take this. Let's just be peaceful and just decide and agree. I don't agree with you, you don't agree with me, but I don't want to hurt you, you don't want to hurt me. Yeah. But no, there seems to be, Mike, there seems to be some group of people determined in some sort of perverse hunger games to keep us together for the purpose of using us for our labor and pitting us against each other so that this violence keeps our eyes directed elsewhere from what's really going on. And most people are too ignorant to see this misdirection, to recognize what's been going on. Right, and, and people do get so hyper-focused on their own agenda and their own ideology that they don't see um, you know, the, they, maybe they see the, the riots in Portland, you know, but they don't see the riots in Washington or vice versa. They don't see the, um, you know, the, 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 the true atrocities that the police have and do do on people, but they don't, but at the same time, they don't see, you know, the, the, um, uh, the, the, it's like magic. It is like magic. Yeah. The inequality of laws, because there's so many laws, because there's so many tools that law enforcement has, you know, to enforce laws. I say tools in scare quotes, literally scare quotes. Um, you, you know, it's like we're so hyper focused that we do not see even the other side of it. And therefore, we can't put two and two together to say, wait, there is, you know, Definitely a bigger agenda at hand. Well, what are, you take someone like Antifa and uh, I don't know, Proud Boys. Mm -hmm. Okay, if those two have a riot and they fight each other, what are they hoping to win? <laughs> what? No, seriously, not a, a great question. Not a theoretical, not hypothetical. It's what? Like what do they want to win? At the end of the day, what is it they hope they win? Are you wanting to win control of the government of Portland? Really? Why? You're not going to. Well, why would you want it? Even if you had a right, you wouldn't like gain control of a government. You would just. But even if you like, could. Right. What's the. Yeah. What's your. What's, what's your. your end what, game? Why? Based so you can control anarchy. people? Yeah. Control people. Right. Why? Like, to make them their slave. Exactly. <laughs> These people are complaining that if this group gets in charge, will be nothing but their slaves. Like right, but you understand you're fighting to get in charge. You don't mind slavery. You just want to be the master. Right. You have no issue with slavery. You have an issue with you're fine with there being slavery so long as you get to be the master. Which is why I got so much pushback every time I would talk about how we're electing kings because people would say, we, we don't have a monarchy. We are, you know, we have a constitutional Republic and, and we, we elect a president and, and such things. I said, well, let's see how our presidents act. They act more 
like kings and kings do, and their word becomes law instantly. Um, like there, there, there is very little pushback on anything the president says or does in a real way. And, and so it becomes a fight every four years becomes an absolute blood fight between my guy winning and so I can get the spoils or my guy losing and I'm getting punished. Yeah, don't say that you want the right to live how you want to live. That isn't true, yeah. Republicans. That's not true. Yeah. You want the power to force others to live according to your philosophies. That's what you want. Because if you really wanted the right to live according to your principles, guess what? You do have that right. Ignore. Right. The example that I give sometimes is, you know, you have, I don't know, three kids. Yeah. Four kids. Four kids. So you have four kids. If your neighbor came over and knocked on your door and said, hey, Mike, you know, I really think that it'd be best if your kids were in bed by eight o'clock. I've noticed that, you know, they're going to bed pretty late. I see them out. <laughs> I think you should put them to bed at eight. Now, the what would you do? Uh, go mind your own business. Buddy. Right. You would ignore him. You'd shut the door in his face and ignore him. Yeah. How did you know? Well, why? Why wouldn't you feel feel compelled to obey him? He has no authority. Right. So anytime a president or a congressman or a judge acts outside the constitutional limits of his authority, he's no longer a president or a congressman or a judge. He's just your neighbor coming over and telling you, put your kids to bed when I say. Now, what's the big difference? You can slam the door in your neighbor's face unless what? Unless your neighbor comes over with a squad of goons yep. with guns that say, put them to bed at eight or I'll kill you. Yep. And there's your definition of government. That's government. Government is not, I wanna do what, I wanna make you do what's good for you. Government is, I wanna make you do what's good for you. And if you refuse, I'll throw you in a cage or I'll kill you. Right. Or I'll take your money. Right. And by the way, and that's being most generous. Most times government is, I want to do what's good for me. And and if you don't do what's good for me, AKA the government, then I'll put you in cages and kill you. You know, it's to me, it's generous to say, I want to do what's good for you. Cause rarely, even if, well, right, I'm saying even, even, you know, even if it was a good thing, right. even if it was a good thing. And, and that's what these partisans want. Don't yell at me. Republicans, that you just want a government that would leave you free to to do whatever you want as far as your liberties are concerned, because that you have that right now. Mm-hmm. Ignore anything unconstitutional, period. And, but and- you don't want to do that. You want to live like you want to live and force the other half of the people to live like you want them to live. And that's exactly what you complain about they're doing on the other side. Exactly right. That's exactly right. And and by the way, and I want to point out, I mentioned the free state of Jones. I think there's other examples of that happening today. Um, You know, we see, I don't know how many states now uh, have uh, uh, marijuana uh, nullification laws, we'll call it, where on the federal books, marijuana is still a class A, you know, drug and and illegal oh, to yeah. have. And yeah. yet states like Arizona, like California, like Colorado has said, you know what? 
too bad. Look go, up, go, Johnny. Yeah, go, go, go pound sand, government, because because we're not going to prosecute them. So it's not like yeah. these ideas, yeah. you know, aren't being used, but we need to expand. Well, I would ask you to consider, Mike, why it is that you have states that are so easily making laws, nullifying federal marijuana laws, which like you said, still exist in the same way they did when they were- When, just when, saying, when Nancy right. was saying just say no. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Why is it so easy for state legislators? Now think about this, because the answer is terrifying. Why is it so easy for state governments to pass laws ignoring federal law when it comes to marijuana? Why is the federal government so completely disinterested in enforcing marijuana laws on those states. But when it comes to ignoring federal regulations on guns, the state legislatures are like, eh. why is it marijuana that they're just like, you know what, smoke up. But when it comes to guns, hey, we need we need reasonable gun control laws. Because uh -huh. guns are a real threat to their power. <laughs> what? Think about it. Who's exactly, right? You've got people smoking weed. I mean, the threat to power there, minimal. <laughs> yeah. The threat to power from a bunch of people who now are exercising, freely exercising their natural right of self-defense up to and including owning an F-16 if you want to, a tank, yes. an automatic weapon. <gasps> There's no way, but do you see what that reveals? Exactly what you said. It reveals that these people are not interested in liberty. They're interested in keeping you a slave, but making it look like they're giving, but they're only giving you that little right. bit of freedom that keeps you intoxicated enough to perpetuate the charade that you're still free. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. guns, that stuff will shut down a tyrant with a quickness. Or how about how about the state, you know, turning off the, the electricity to any, you know, federal building saying, hey, you know what? We don't have to supply any kind of energy to your building. We're not going to let, you know, go ahead. <laughs> Good luck. You know what I mean? If, 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 um, and I forget now, I forgot the NSA, you mm -hmm. know, if that, that huge behemoth, uh, unbelievable, terrible building in, in Utah, uh, that is spying on every single American, uh, you know, if, if, if the government of Utah decided, you know what, we're not going to let you have any of our water. How long would that building last there? Well, it's not even the government. If you, that's the city of Draper. You're right. Or Bluffdale, whichever city Whatever, it is. Yeah. That, that's city water. That's not Utah state water. That's Very city, true. Well, right. But how easy is it to get political control of a city? Mm. Much easier yep. than of a state it. or of a federal government. And so, yeah, you could have the city say, we're shutting off your water. You can't cool those computers without it. You want to ship water in, be my guest, but you're not using our water. Right. And, but something that I wanted to say, Mike, is this about, we're talking about marijuana laws. Yeah. And people will come to me and say, Joey, you seem 
to be so conservative, and yet you're in favor of the legalization of marijuana. Right, because I'm in favor of you doing what you want to do. I'm not going to smoke weed, and I don't want to live in a community with a bunch of people who smoke weed. But if you and, and your people want to do that, dude, knock yourself out. And I'm all, that's the thing. When you try to explain to people that I'm not, I would never impose my idea of good living on you. But now if I could get you to agree to that with regard to my idea of good living, we could all be free. And for people to come up to me at my speeches and say, I can't believe you just said you thought heroin should be legal. I, okay, because I believe it should for you if that's how you want to live. Yeah. I'm not going to shoot up tonight, but I also don't presume to have some sort of authority to tell you not to shoot up unless you're my child. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Uh, I'm kind of scared that you completely agree with no, that, I, Matthew. I actually, because I don't care what people do. I yeah. Like, no, you're right. That's right, Matthew. I mean, it, if 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 people want to destroy themselves, yeah. you know, there's family, there's churches, there's community. Well, and that, the the freedom to associate with other people who you want to associate yeah. with is an important thing, and that's how we can be more tolerant. By the way, is yeah. by associating with people that we want to associate with or, and learning or, how much alike or different that we are you know it, it's all about choice it or is all even, about choice or like people who like dis disagree with even you can see how similar you guys are and like yeah i feel yeah like i mean that's thing. the thing that i i remember i got such vitriolic pushback one time at a speech that i gave uh I'm trying to remember where it was i can't remember but i gave this speech and i said Let's find like-minded people mm -hmm. and work with them on issues on which we agree. Okay. I don't have to agree with you on everything. I do if I want to live in a small community, peaceful community with you. But if I want to dismantle tyranny and you agree that this thing is tyranny, well, you and I can work to dismantle that and then afterward move along and maybe we agree on something else. Maybe we don't. But why can't we just work with those who agree on certain issues, right? Yeah. And then we go our separate ways once we've successfully, you know, dismantled whatever tyrannical object that we've set our sights on. Like, for example, when people, the ACLU talks about, you know, the Fourth Amendment and how awful, you know, the federal surveillance state is, people go, I saw your article on the ACLU website. I can't believe those are commies. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> right. They could all be commies, but they want to dismantle federalist, federal surveillance state. Well, so do I. Sign yeah. me up. Yeah. Uh, we can work together today and then tomorrow beyond. Right. And we do that every day in our own life. That's very true. My enemy is my friend. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we work like that. We're anarchists every day of our life in a million different ways. That's right. Being an anarchist, this is great. Well, I mean, yeah. you don't ask anybody when you should get up. You don't ask anybody what brand of toothpaste to use or how often to brush your teeth. Exactly. You don't ask anybody what flavor drink you should have in the morning. You don't do anything like that. You're living as an anarchist. Yeah. Right? Well, and, and there's a great book. I wish I could remember the author. Um, uh, if I could find it, I'll, I'll put it in the, the show notes because it's a 
fascinating book about um, how the state as you know the 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 um, country state I don't know what you would call that the nation state the came to be you know really it's a very modern idea and the fact that we that that uh, one city or one group of people can control millions of people is a very modern Wait, do you mean a city state no no the oh, nation state the nation state right before that you had you had you know kingdoms and tribes and all kinds of things and and they have their own brand of tyranny and they have their own but you know for example um serfs you know these slaves that we called serfs and maybe correct me if i'm wrong on this you know they would they would have to give up something like 25% of what they earned to the noble and that made them a slave you know well we would love to have that now you oh know? yeah i think so much of you know you study the history of the ancient world and you yes obviously in many ways we're so far beyond them but but in so much of their lives they were not controlled the way we are that's right there was not there was I heard, not. you know, I was driving and I was listening to the radio the other day and this commercial came on for an air conditioning company. And they're talking about how, you know, come whatever year, you won't be able to buy Freon or you can't buy Freon now or whatever it was. And they're like, so we offer these, you know, air conditioners so you don't have to break the law or whatever. And I'm like, so first of all, that was no law. Uh huh. That was a regulation written by a bunch of desk jockeys who are unaccountable and unelectable. Right. Who decided that they somehow know that Freon destroys the earth. But we don't, we don't push back against that. This is what I don't get. It's like, it's can you imagine going back <laughs> to the time of the founding fathers and saying, look, um, you know, the stairs in your house, <laughs> you're gonna have to rip those out because the, uh, office of home safety and occupational hazards say that if your stairs don't have a 10 inch tread, people could die. Right. I, I can't imagine that person getting out of town without being tarred and feathered. I think you're right. I think there's historical evidence of that. You know, it is amazing to hear the stories of people literally throwing the king's taxmen out of town or burning their homes, you know, um, and it, it makes me think of, you know, the, the kind of some may say the kind of mindset, but the kind of forethought that they had, like, if we're going to allow this person to do this for a 3% tax, you know, that only leads to bad things. You know, if we allow, if we allow the Kingsmen to come into our village and, and, and plunder us for their 3% or what their, their stamp tax or whatever it is, unless we burn this house down and say, you are not welcome. Um, they're just going to keep doing it because that's what they do. Well, and you have to realize that if you're speaking philosophically, if you agree that the government has a right to 30% of your money, then you agree they have a right to 100%. There's philosophically no difference. Mm -hmm. You're just arguing over how much, at what time, and for not even for what purposes you understand. Right. 
you're just saying, okay, this year you can have 3% more, but that's it. Hmm. We're never saying I made my money, I get to keep it. We're just arguing over, you know, we're not arguing over, you know, should the ship sink? We're arguing over how quickly it should sink. That's right. That's right. It's the whole, you know, changing deck chairs on the Titanic. <laughs> I just want to be on the top deck, right? I get that we're all going to go down with the ship, but I want to be the last, last to go. Last one down. to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Joe Wolverton, thank you. I, hey, real quick. You're blown up on TikTok. Talk about that. Where can people find you on TikTok? <laughs> I love this. No, it way. just makes me laugh favorite. that you say Joe Wolverton is blowing up on TikTok. <laughs> I feel I feel a little silly that Joe Wolverton. I, I mean, yeah, but anyway, I yeah, um, it's MRG Group is the TikTok thing. Um, get your daily I, I'm thinking, dose of yeah, freedom. Get, well, you get your daily dose of Joey. I don't know. I I I'm shocked that fifty whatever. I don't know how many people. Fifty thousand plus people follow me and the comments are always so so kind and so uplifting i i i'm mesmerized as to why anybody cares but yeah and just the that phrase you just said keeps rattling around my head joe wolverton is blowing up on TikTok. <laughs> i think if you'd said a year ago to me hey joey are you excited that you're going to soon be blowing up on tiktok <laughs> i would have slapped the taste out of your mouth i would have slapped <laughs> Everything. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So MRG Group, MRG Group, A M A R G I Group on TikTok, all run together at MRG Group on TikTok, and I, I do a couple of videos a week, and they've just recently because I have fifty thousand plus followers, I can do three minute videos. So I'm and you I, do live stuff there. I too. do live. I'm supposed to do live tonight. I don't know if I will. I'll probably end up doing it. I didn't commit to it tonight. But I'll probably do it tomorrow night. Uh, just do a, a I, last time I did nearly two hours of live question and answer and just talking about whatever the people want to talk about. And there were 800 people that were that's awesome that were viewing it. So it was pretty cool. So go check him out on TikTok. Check him out on his website, amargigroup.com. Mm -hmm. And check out his courses. Uh, look for his book on Amazon, uh, The Founder's Recipe. Any other place that you should look for the book at? Uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, okay, and yeah. they can get the the Founder's Recipe book, uh, the Founder's Recipe, and then uh, my book, the one before that, which talks about uh, making America states again, returning authority to the states, is uh, called. Excuse me, what degree of madness? What degree of that madness? That one's a really good book. I've read it. It's a good book. Yeah. So, all right. Thank you so much for being on the show. We have a, a lot of fodder. Hopefully, hey, leave some comments. What do you think about this conversation, peeps? Yikes. Oh, so, yeah. Dad, anyway. If you ever try TikTok, you'll turn into more of a toothless old man than you already are because I'll slap you. Okay. So I'll, hard. I'll remember that, Matthew. Thank you. <laughs> well, all Just of kidding. you, thank you for being on the show. You've been listening to And If Love Remains.